Hey everybody, and welcome back to the Long Lost Heroes podcast. Um, we have been uh, pretty busy lately. We got to see a couple of really great movies. Um, recently saw The Incredibles 2, and um, AJ and I went and went together and saw Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom the other night. And so him and I are going to break down that movie. Uh, how are you doing, man? I'm doing very well, sir. Uh, yeah, it was great to go see a movie together. I like that movie theater, despite it having way too many escalators. But <laughs> I don't think we have to hold it against it. Um, you know, it was it just yeah. was there was a lot of there was at least four escalators, right? I think there yes. was four, maybe five. Yeah, I mean, we were, so we we're at the the Regal Battery Park, and so it's a really great location for us because we were able to kind of meet right in the middle of where we both are coming from. Yeah. But yeah, it's like really not labeled. Like I, I couldn't find it at first. And it's like you just like it's in the middle of a hotel. It feels like I don't know, but I think it, it was is, fine. I think it actually is a hotel. Okay, that makes sense. Um, but you know, it was nice. The recliners were great. Um, gotta, it's no gotta IMAX. Love a good, got the recliners though can be good, and if you sit close enough, I think you can almost get a good enough, you know, close experience. Yeah, yeah but okay. yeah, that before we get to that, we have something special to get to. Okay, so back on uh, uh, 12 30, 2017, which is Burbao's birthday, if you don't know, if you're listening. Almost, almost six months to the day <laughs> almost as six we're recording. To the day. Uh, Max Daniels, our great friend and, and, and Long Lost Heroes member, uh, wrote us in some feedback on The Last Jedi. Uh, I discovered this a few weeks ago, and we have just not had time to respond or to read it aloud. But, I, you know, I think that the time has finally come where we're just going to take a few moments here to dig into Max's uh, question, questions here and uh, talk about uh, Last Jedi. So, you know, it's really hard for me not to read this in Max's voice. Um, so I'm not going to do that. Uh, but I will be I will be reading it aloud and then we'll respond afterward. Everybody understand? Okay, cool. I'm now reading as Max. So regarding The Last Jedi, I loved it at first, but after having time to think about it, I now do not feel the same way. The fight scenes were awesome, the visual effects were ridiculous, and Luke projecting himself across the universe to fight Kylo was awesome. I guess spoiler alerts. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> the visual effects were ridiculous, and Luke uh, to, fight, to fight Kylo was awesome. Uh who could have anything negative to say about that? Now my issues are as follows. I feel that there was just too much humor, like almost belittling Star Wars and the Jedi. For instance, in the beginning when it opens with Rey and Luke picking it up after Seven left off, Luke just throws the lightsaber off from the cliff, and it was funny and I laughed. However, after discussing it with a friend, I realized that that scene could have been so much, so been so immensely powerful and deep. It could have been so amazingly emotional, but they chose the comic relief route which seems to be the norm nowadays. After that, the whole scene with Finn and the Asian girl in the casino seemed like a huge waste of my time. Like, it didn't need to take that long, and it didn't really add too much to the story in my eyes. I don't think the story really developed Ray enough for me to start actually caring about the future of her character. Who in the world was Snoke anyway? It seems that they did, they did in Seven make a difference in terms of power the First Order has in the galaxy in no way. Was the first order weakened or deterred? And don't tell me the same thing happened between six and five. Uh, excuse me. Uh, no, that, that's wrong. So that's uh, six and seven, right? Because destroying the Death Star in six led to the Alliance, thinking they're able to attack the Empire despite rebuilding the Death Star because the Alliance uh, didn't think it was operational and made the Emperor more susceptible to attack, you know? In no way was the rebellion any more powerful in seven because of six. What the heck is the black hole at the Jedi? Uh, the black hole at the first Jedi temple? I guess in this short, this movie had the potential to answer a lot of questions and do a lot of explaining. Yet it did really. Yet it didn't really bring any clarity to anything brought up in six. Um, or maybe he's trying to say seven. Uh, so yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Okay, Max, first of all, thank you so much for uh, writing in to us, and we really appreciate you writing in from Israel. Uh, we miss you. We love you. Um, come visit. We come miss vi you. Come visit. We miss you. I uh, hope you're, everybody's doing great in uh, your little family over there, and, and you know, congratulations in Mazel Tov, and that, that's awesome. So I think um, 
I agree with you on a few things here, Max. I don't know if I agree with you on everything. I think I, I agree with you, you know, in in a little bit of how funny and unnecessarily funny Seven is at times. But I think that's to break up the ridiculous amount of heaviness that this movie also brings on itself. And I think that you kind of need that dynamic tension between the, the humor and the heaviness of it to kind of e- even it out. It could be too dark and brooding. It also could be, you know, I could see them going even funnier and doing even more jokes. What do you think about that first point, Frank? Yeah, I mean, I I think that the balance of darkness and humor is important in this movie. Um, but I, I think he called out some specific ones. that I think Luke Skywalker never was the, like, cracking jokes kind of like he was always like the naive kid that like he was very serious you know and so like for him to be the one that like grabs a lightsaber and throws like that's like a han solo kind of thing that's not like a luke thing if you really think about it and like him doing the whole like tickling of the hand with the leaf thing like like i don't know i i i understand that that some of those humor moments maybe were a little bit out of character um but yeah, I mean, I appreciated the the balance because, like, I think Poe's humor, however, works really well because that was, like, in line with his character and it, like, that was a really fun way to start the movie. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's there's a balance and I think uh, in hindsight, especially in between Force Awakens and Last Jedi where it's like, okay, she's ha- handing off this lightsaber. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? And, like, for the movie to actually pick up that exact moment and not have a time jump it's like really (laughs) he just throws it over his shoulder so i'm gonna you know i don't know i i liked it i think that this whole movie is to updo your expectations it's to it's designed to fuck with your idea of what star wars is or is supposed to be and i think that's what a lot of what ryan johnson is doing in using the story characters and pieces that we all love so that we can go to this movie and not feel ahead of it. Or we can go to this movie and feel like we're learning new things about the force, or we can go to this movie and see like that. No, when you've been alone on an Island for probably a long period of time, it will totally fuck with you. And that Mm -hmm. he has become kind of yodified in my mind that's so fair. like that, like in, in my mind, like I, I don't have a problem with Luke throwing the lightsaber as a story point. I get that it's out of character in some ways, but to me, like it, I, I, I feel that. And it, while, yeah, Max, it totally could have been really symbolic and he could have been like, wow, this is not just my lightsaber, but it is also my father's. And like, it has been passed down that it's found its way to you. Like, it's crazy. Like, I didn't even know how this even exists right now. Uh, have you found my hand (laughs) you know let me know like i just feel like in in doing that that's what we all expect that's what we all want to see but by saying and doing and by doing this scene but also this what the scene is composed of like it shows you that we're, we're dealing with things that are bigger than just the laser swords now like like it's it's kind of it's starting to transcend um, and that's where I'll leave off about that in terms of the next bit, uh, about the casino scene. So I think another way of looking at Canto bite and, and I'm going to put this in a way that I think everyone in our friend group can relate. You know, when you're like deep into like a really solid Dave set and like seek up starts and everyone's like, woo. All right, here we go. And, like, they're jamming on that opening intro for, like, six, eight, ten minutes. That's Canto Bite. All right? It's filler. It's stuff that they have to do in order to move forward. There are C-Cups that are, like, really dope. Like, Alpine Valley 2007 is one of the best C-Cups ever. But, like, you know, ultimately, the... The casino scene, I didn't. I don't. I don't think it played out well either. I didn't like it either. I don't. But you know, ultimately, that's what it is. Like it, we. I don't think it's a waste of time in the things that it's setting up in terms of the nuance of 
people who aren't necessarily fighting the Star War. I dig that. That's something a good out of Canto Bite. That's like the killer uh, sax solo out of that uh, out of that seek up. But mm-hmm. ultimately, like, yeah, I get it. It's it it's not it's not great. What yeah, do you, I mean, what do you think? Well, I I think that. I think that the Canto Bite stuff, um, it expands the world, and I think now it's hard because we've already seen Solo, so like, it's we're another movie out of expanding the universe. So, but at the time when this one came out, it was like, oh, we're going to a new planet. We're seeing all these other creatures and the lives of other people in the universe at this point. I think that is important. I think the way that they executed it wasn't the best. I think all of a sudden shoehorning a couple of your characters out and then back just like it really feels like a side mission you know it's a, an excursion that they could have almost had completely off screen now if they had done something like okay we contact somebody like that that we know and care about like you know whether it's Maz Kanata or Lando or somebody that like we that is outside of the realm of our our, our heroes focus and says like we need something and we need and then all of a sudden we cut to them like in the middle of like if it cut to, to Maz Kanata like instead of seeing her like on the video screen like we just go to that and go to this crazy thing that's happening and have her go through some sort of mission to help them that would make much more sense and you see another part of the galaxy like you get more of, of what's going on I I, I agree. I think um, there's a lot of issues with that. And I think, you know, if you cut that part out, <laughs> the movie does get a lot shorter, but you lose Fall a lot of. Back again. Okay. <laughs> Fall back again. Like that. Come on. That's what it is. That That's it. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's vamping while like. <laughs> Someone goes to the like literally someone in the band goes to the bathroom. <laughs> someone like goes get a drink. They come back on stage and it's like, oh, it's my turn to solo. Great. <laughs> they like Stefan like starts a doom 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 and like he like puts the bass on loop and just yeah, like puts yeah, it yeah. down. <laughs> yeah, oh my god, that would be that would be great. Uh, okay. Uh, okay, I don't know about what you're saying at the end in terms of the like the, the the empire and and stuff let's leave that aside i just want to focus on i want to focus on the one thing i think i get who is snoke and why do we give a fuck um okay snoke is is i i don't want to i don't want to mansplain star wars to max i don't think that that's fair so what i think i'll do is i think i'll say that snoke maybe is too easy of a way out for these new movies. And I think that it's totally unsatisfying the way that they killed him. I agree with you. I would have loved to see his powers. I would have loved to know his origin. I was waiting for some good juicy exposition. There's totally talk of that on this podcast where I'm like, I want to see a 10 minute exposition scene where they just talk about everything. And they kind of, they, they don't do a 10 minute. They do maybe two or three uh you know three to five minute speeches about what's going on at any given point and that i think helps this movie so that when you go and see it i never felt ahead of it at all and i think that one of the things that again that ryan johnson is trying to do in this movie is uh upset our expectations that mm-hmm. we think that you know going into this movie that it's a number two in a, in a trilogy that snoke is probably gonna live but we're gonna learn more about him you know that we're gonna see what his deal is we're gonna you know we're gonna meet the joker and have the joker tell us his plan and you know we're gonna experience our first real fight with an adversary on our level. That's what we, you expect from a villain, especially one they set up as, uh, <laughs> as largely as Snoke. Um, but ultimately, it's not about that. It's about the Skywalkers. And right now, we have a Skywalker who is 
on the dark side of the balance of the force right now. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and that's really the villain and ultimately what I think is going to be the main factor in episode nine. I agree. I think that Snoke is, uh, and I think I said this on our last podcast uh, when we were talking about last Jedi, um, he is a, uh, a, a plot point for, for Kylo Ren to go down further the dark side because it's his arc. And I think similarly that uh, this uh, movie is about Ray being a nobody and a hero can be a nobody. It's also kind of reflected in the fact that the villain Snoke is basically a nobody and it doesn't really matter where he came from because he did bad things. And like, it's also like, where did the first order come from? Like, yeah, they're sort of explaining it in books and stuff, but like, like Max was saying, they defeated the empire, but like, I guess out of the ashes of it, then 30 years later, there's still all these evil people. But like, you're right. It's the origin. It doesn't really matter. It's just like they're here now and they have to deal with them now. And it doesn't matter. And um, yeah, I, I, I think it'll, it, it should mean something important for Kylo Ren's arc. And at the end of nine, we should probably have a, a, a really good picture of how, how I, it fits in. But yeah, yeah, I also wouldn't put put it past the possibility that Snoke could return as a force ghost. Um, you know, I think that it's possible that Andy Serkis uh, isn't, um, you know, may not be on the sheets, but I, I don't know. I wouldn't put it past Disney to be that secretive. Mm-hmm. A- and, uh, you know. We'll see. I, I I don't know. I I could also, but I do. <sighs> I, I I agree, Max. That yes, it was fucked up the way that we did not get enough. We didn't. There's not enough there for for the for the these movies to stand the test of time in terms of the villain uh, of to, to justify who Snoke was or what he did or what's going on. Now, yeah. there's more ways that we can learn about Snoke that could come out. There's. You know, the novelization, which I think is coming out soon. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's, you know, comic books that are, you know, obviously being done right now. There's about to be a whole nother series uh, called The Resistance, which is going to deal with, you know, uh, more uh, timely Star Wars uh, cartoons. So that could be played in there. I I think that we will ultimately learn more about Snoke uh, at some point, but that Ultimately, we're going to learn enough and not need to know, you know, everything. Um, and uh, yeah, man, th- th- we're uh, we're really happy that you sent us your uh, thoughts. Please send us what you thought of Solo. Uh, you know, we definitely love to hear and we would totally read it, uh, you know, out loud um, because we want you to uh, feel like you're a part of the thing with us, man. We miss you. Uh, anything else, Frank? No, I I agree. I uh, definitely love the fact that we were getting some great feedback and um, hope that everyone else continues to write in and um, we will leave the uh, uh, notes of where to find us towards the end of the podcast as we normally do. But uh, we really appreciate it. We really appreciate hearing from Max and getting another perspective on The Last Jedi. But... I think we should transition into uh, the other topic for tonight, uh, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. So, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, you and I saw it together. Um, we kind of already touched on all of where and everything. Um, it, it made a decent amount of money. Um, it wasn't like uh, more than the Jurassic World uh, three years ago. Um, it, you know, it won the box office week for the weekend, but um, and I think it's going to be popular, uh, and it, it got decent reviews. I think it's, um, you know, well-received, um, but I, I really honestly haven't been paying much attention to the buzz around it and what really the, the um, audience response is. I, I mean, have you got, gathered anything over the past couple of days since it's been out? You know, I haven't really talked to anybody else who's seen it other than us. Uh, but it did uh, it did make some money, right? It won the box office this weekend. Yeah, how'd it we, did. How'd it do? Um, oh, I don't I don't remember. I think 
I mean, it was nowhere. I think the, I mean, the Jurassic World was um, the the first one had the the record for a while, and so that was I think had broke two hundred million. I don't think this one did. I think it was more like one fifty or something. But um, whatever that is, if you're looking it up, and if not, it's fine. Um, yeah, I mean, I think this is a good ride. Um, I will say that going into this movie as um, as a, a lot of the trailers and other information of the movie came out, I was kind of lukewarm on it. Um, I, however, like a couple of weeks ago when we did the solo podcast and I had lukewarm feelings going in and my, um, I was uh, overjoyed at what I, we actually got and my uh, expectations were exceeded. Um, I think this one was about what I expected. And um, 150 million over the weekend. 150 million. Wow, I did remember the number. Um, so yeah, I mean that's that's a fine number. It's not great. Um, I well, mean that's that's very high, man. I mean, but considering that the first one broke 200 million, it's like yeah, but that was reintrod. That's Force Awakens numbers. Sure. Yeah. All right. You know. That's um, that, it's that got kind of it's. Part. It's got a couple more weeks to to make money. Um, I don't I don't think um, while like Ant Man and the Wasp is coming out in like another week or so, I don't know if that one is gonna make a ton of money. So even the week I, like I, I'm sure Ant Man will be the box office winner that weekend that it comes out, but I don't think uh, Jurassic World will be that far behind. I think. I think Jurassic World is a summer movie and people are going to see it. Like, I think it's one of those that um, you don't, it's not uh, as heavy of homework like Marvel is and having to see everything else. I think it's like, oh, you want to go see a dinosaur movie? Great. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it was, it was fine. Like, I, it, it makes me kind of sad because like the original Jurassic Park is such a high like it's such a great film it's perfect like i whenever it's on tv i end up watching it um i own it i pop it in whenever um and it just sort of and i i enjoy jurassic world the first one um and had a really good time with that and i've i've rewatched that one since it came out and it's like it's a really good homage to the first original jurassic park it's kind of hard to talk about once single movies um but yeah i feel like this this movie has some sequel problems it has some sort of character and plot problems um but ultimately is still like a spectacular visual feat um i don't know what do you think okay so before we get into like spoilers and stuff um i like this movie this movie reminds me a, a lot of uh the last jedi in a lot of ways i know we were just talking about it but it really does uh feel very similar in a, in a lot of ways um i think uh jurassic park is also very special to me i remember watching the first jurassic park probably on my the floor of my grandmother's house in new jersey like on thanksgiving night like after dinner like when they first showed it on like tv for the first time and then I remember going to see the Lost World Jurassic Park uh, in theaters with my babysitter and her boyfriend and it being like the first movie I got to see on like Friday night opening weekend at the old Comac multiplex near the LIE. Oh, man. Uh, um, and uh, yeah, since then, uh, I did watch Jurassic Park every Thanksgiving for a while. Um. <coughs> I do like Lost World Jurassic Park a lot. I know that that movie gets some uh, beef, but I think that it's kind of cool in terms of what it does as a sequel and the way that it kind of moves around. Yesterday, or you told me it kind of feels like a dinosaur movie or a Godzilla movie, and it does feel like that in a lot of ways after I uh, was thinking about it after you said that. It, it kind of does. Uh, I remember seeing Jurassic Park 3 in the theater and not thinking it was very good or that there was you know it was really hard to have those like kind of high stakes and it just felt kind of like a recapitulation of what they did in two um 
I did see Jurassic World opening weekend. I did not see Jurassic World 2 opening weekend. I think that probably speaks for a lot of us in that we were a little skeptical of what they were going to do in this movie. And I think that that skepticism is kind of found, is kind of, you know, based in reality. And, uh, you know, the cool thing about this movie is the characters are fun. Like, if you like uh, Bryce Dallas Howard and you like uh, Chris Pratt, holy shit, are you in for a great movie with those two? Like, they, yeah. they have their chemistry is amazing. Uh, but, you know, heh. This movie has to do things that I think a lot of a lot of the things that Last Jedi did. You know, how do you have Star Wars without the the Skywalkers? How do you have Star Wars without the Jedi and the Sith necessarily? What is Star Wars beyond that? You know, what is it like to just not be fighting in this war that everybody else seems to be so caught up in all the time? Mm -hmm. uh, you know. I think that this movie kind kind of does that in some ways. How do you have Jurassic Park? Um, the title is called Fallen Kingdom. It has a big volcano in it. If you can't, you know, uh, figure out you know what's going on in that scene, like, well, and like, like the tagline on the the ads and stuff is like the park is gone. So it's like, 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 like it's they, not a spoiler. <laughs> how do you have Jurassic Park without Jurassic Park? Yeah, and I think one of the big things that we can get into this in, even in the spoiler talk is dude i remember playing this in with mr nadeau in burr intermediate school oh yeah uh, when we would play trombone in like fourth or fifth grade and uh that this was like fucking awesome and that the score of jurassic park is almost as good if not more lasting than the movie you know and it's so iconic, and it works so well together, and this movie does its best to never use that theme. Yeah. It kind of, it almost uses it the way that they use um, the original Star Wars fanfare in that they now, they kept it for the credits, you know? Yeah, I mean, and that was something that as soon as it hit the credits, I like said to you, is like, dude, what the hell? Like, yeah. um, I mean, because I think at least with Star Wars, when you've got the opening crawl, you've got the fanfare. So it's like, you know, you're in a Star Wars movie because it's boom. Here it is. Here's the music. You feel it. And if you don't hear it again for a couple of hours, it doesn't matter because like you, it, it started off that way. Right. And I, I mean, I, I, that's something that it's John Williams, like his music breathes into the films Um and it really kind of bothered me. And I, that was something in the ads even I was annoyed with that. Like, it never felt like a, a Jurassic Park movie because the music wasn't right. Um, and so it, it wasn't that I was, like, waiting for it necessarily. But, like, after a certain amount of time, I kind of gave up and was like, we're not going to get it. We're not, like, if they don't have the music playing as they're helicoptering in on the island, we're not going to hear it. Like, and that didn't happen. Um yeah, I mean, I, I I wish that it was utilized more. Obviously, John Williams does not do the score, um, but that doesn't mean that they can't use the theme because they do use the theme. Um, anyway, um, so yeah, I mean, let's let's throw up our spoiler warning now because I do kind of want to get into some things um, about sort of the more intricate details of the plot um so yeah if you guys haven't seen jurassic world fallen kingdom yet uh you should go see it um by the time we post this it's probably been up, up out for about a week or so or a little more um so you should have enough time to go see it before listening and if you haven't uh pause the podcast now and come back when you have um so in three two one okay so um, I think for me, the stuff that worked really, really well was the stuff on the island. Um, and obviously, like the movie, that doesn't necessarily start on the island, but like the first act is the island. Um, and like most of the Jurassic movies, you have that, that as your setting. And um, obviously, the last movie was on it pretty much the entire time. And so I like legitimately was like in tears at moments where you've got these creatures dying. And like, it's one of those things that like, you don't really think about 
um, with the other films because like so many times the 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 dinosaurs are are you know fighting each other or you're they're you're you're following the main characters and wait, wanting them to survive or there's you know dinosaur on dinosaur action but like when you see that Hot sort of help dinosaur on dinosaur action oh yeah but like I mean I, I liken it to like I have a dog you know like I care so much about my dog he's my life in so many ways like but the thing that about dogs and whenever I see a, a dog video or a cat video that like always pulls at my heartstrings is that like how helpless they are and that they, they can't control so many things and that they rely on us for so many things. And like in a lot of ways, the dinosaurs are that in this movie and that they obviously have like food and resources on the island and they, they have lived on it for you know, I guess a couple of decades and I think there's a certain amount of like maybe there was some dying off and then they reintroduced and remade dinosaurs again. But largely the the ecosystem works, but at this point and this you know, the film starts with like the island getting ready to erupt and like they, they have this like philosophical debate of like whether or not they should rescue them. And like it's heartbreaking to, to see all all the dinosaurs jumping off the cliff into the water and basically drowning and like yes they rescue some but like pretty much like and like you, you compared it to last jedi like the if the dinosaurs are the resistance they're gone yeah the they movie. are they are no longer they're and, no longer a resistance there's a few people resisting someplace yeah and uh, but like and then obviously the the giant the last moment of them leaving the island with with the brontosaurus just like so so intense so hard to watch but it's that that was like the peak of the movie for me and then after that it kind of like there are a lot of other moments that I really enjoyed but like I didn't really know what to expect like after that okay um so so go ahead (laughs) so yeah I I feel I feel somewhat similar to you in a way I want to talk about something that I think is it's a spoiler and it's totally emblematic of what we're talking about. So after they've, you know, fallen off the cliff, you've seen in the trailer and they go in the bubble craft into the water and they escape and they survive that somehow. Uh, they go on to land and they like drive on to this freighter as it's about to leave with a whole bunch of dinosaurs on it from the ship. On the burning, exploding island, you see a brontosaurus, brachiosaurus, if it's, I could be wrong, is walking on the pier, you know, out to the boat, like, calling and, and dying in the horrible, awful flames. That's a bad, it's horrible. That was the, that was rough. That was really rough. Uh, I did not love that. Um, I think that that was a little unnecessary roughness, and that they... They have to treat these dinosaurs with respect. And that while, yeah, we're killing the island here, um, there are other ways to do that than to um, destroy the first dinosaur you see in the franchise emblematically. Like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. To, like to me, it just, it just felt a little too on the nose and a little bit too also yeah. uh, ratcheted up for that point. Yeah. Like uh, I, and I, how I said that you feel the weight as they're ju- jumping yeah. off and like, you, you know that they're all not, not all of them are going to make it, but like right. they really like just cut the knife a little too deep there. I think it's a little, it's a little much. Um, I think they also could have played around more on that Island and had more of a ticking time bomb, you know, kind of affect somehow. I know that you can't predict volcanoes, but maybe, give them a little bit more time and more things to do on the island so that we, you know, can, can experience it and be there for a little while. I I just thought that this movie was a little too quick to be not on the island. I agree. Yeah. I mean, it's act one island, act two boat, act three house. And like, that's it. It moves and it's yeah. For, for a Jurassic park movie, um, uh, and I and we were talking. We can get to maybe some of those details later. But yeah, I do wish that it, they hadn't rushed off of it so quickly because you you spend so much time on it um, throughout so uh, even all the other films, and it's just like 
even if they panned over some other things of like locales that we had seen in the past. I love the cold open. The cold open is fantastic in this movie. It does. It's a really great cold open for even Jurassic Park. It ranks up there with the first movie, I think, even in terms of how high that how scared we are of that big fish shark dinosaur. And I think that they played that scene uh, perfectly, beautifully, uh, masterfully. But the fact that you they they showed that scene in the trailer where you see that big thingy swimming against the surfers and that's just the you know the end stinger for the next movie. Yo do, come on, man. Like you can't put the Sinister Six in the trailer. You guys know this. Like you know, like like you have to you have to do better than this. Like uh that I was waiting for that to be paid off, man. I love that. I thought that was gonna be sweet. That that was not okay. Okay, so after that scene, uh, I now we now have to switch gears and we have to talk about uh, the big red herring, which made me. So I wrote a movie recently with one of our other friends who appears on the podcast, uh, Matt Zeeby, uh, Matt Zion Basile, and in it we have a a, a misdirect that is not too dissimilar uh, from the little girl in this movie. Uh, what did you think about it? Uh, did I ruin it for you or did you think that it, it worked? I think it worked. Um, I think it's, I did ha- shout to you in the theater. She's a clone. <laughs> <laughs> the clone wars have begun. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I think, uh, it, whether you said it or it, it, I would, it would have clicked with me in a minute. And I thought that it was a really cool, um, a cool way to to broaden this universe and in a sense that like of course like yes absolutely like they they why wouldn't they go down this route and like they they teased it along perfectly it's like oh you know the daughter died and yeah you look just like her and there's the, like the photo that like he won't pull out of of the the book and that was I think that was done really well. Um, it, it made you care more about that character. Like, cause at first it's like, okay, well, why do we care about these people so much? And like at the end, it's like, okay, they, there's a really good reason. Now, like the one thing I hope that doesn't happen, like the Jurassic park films has a problem in a sense that there's an inconsistency with the roster of characters. If you know what I'm saying? Like, it, like at least in the past two, you've got Chris uh, Pratt. Are, are and... we are we talking about one of my favorite characters of all time, Doctor Ian Malcolm? Mm-hmm. Oh, so boy. like, I'm just saying that like, in in Jurassic Park one, you've got the kids and like they're a huge uh, part of that movie, but that's it. They're gone. Like you don't see them anymore. And then you've got other characters like that you introduce in each film, and that's fine. And like you need new new blood but like i hope that since we spent so much time on this Maisie character that like she will be continue to be a part of this franchise moving forward because the kids from the last movie are nowhere to be seen like her uh claire's uh nephews like they're gone don't matter anymore they survived and that's it they're you know like i don't know like Okay, yeah, I see what you're saying. I'm, I'm just saying not, that, like... You're not... When you don't get to ride back along with the characters who you feel at least are kind of vulnerable, like, it's hard to, like, kind of grasp onto new characters in every movie. It's tiresome. Exactly. It's I get tiresome, that. and you go through the arc, and you, you watch them almost it die, d- and then, like... Jurassic Park little... doesn't have a Ripley. It doesn't have one character who you follow and root for no matter what. No, it, um, it doesn't. And but like you, if they have a strong enough lead, it works. And like obviously they kept um, the two leads from the last movie, so that was really important. Now, if in the third one, all of a sudden Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Harper, ha, ha, not Bryce Harper, Howard, <laughs> right, um, are not in the movie, then I have a big problem because it's like everything from this, like they're the center. And like I know you can argue that the dinosaurs like our characters themselves and that you're following them throughout as well. But like you, you need the human element. You need that, um, the dialogue and I don't know. 
Anyway, yeah, I, but I, no, I, th- I feel you. And they really, I think they played their relationship. Their chemistry is one of the highlights of the movie. You know, the way that they uh, work off of each other. Um, you know, she's very, very, she's a very good actress. Um, Chris Pratt, you know, has found his swaggering, swashbuckling role that he gets to play. His Indiana Jones. His Indiana is, Jones. Yep. You know, like, and, and that's kind of cool. And it's his own version, and he's done, I think, a really great job. And his character grew in this movie. I think uh, it was it was cool. Um, okay, so let's talk about the house and the uh, the Lockwoods, as it were. Um, the Lockwoods uh, in the movie are revealed to be some rich philanthropic family that had been involved with Hammond, but, you know, for some reason left. We ultimately find out it's because he cloned his daughter again, which is a little fucked up. Anyway, uh, they uh, ultimately what is revealed is that the original uh, genetic work that was done for the dinosaurs at Jurassic Park before they went anywhere else um, was, uh, you know, done there. Uh, so I just want to spend a minute on this cause we would talk about this in any Marvel movie, uh, continuity error, uh, missed opportunity. Uh, you, you fuckers, they mentioned Isla Sorna. So it would have been, it would have been very okay if they'd never mentioned Isla Sorna for the plot of this movie to have continued on the way that it did because Isla Sorna, as we all know, is the Island from, uh, Jurassic uh, the Lost World Jurassic Park and Jurassic Park 3, Site B, Site what, B. where John Hammond calls, you know, the factory floor, where they actually made, uh, you know, the dinosaurs and, and kind of kept them together and then brought them over to the island. So to me, there's kind of two reasons and ways to fix this plot hole in my mind. The first one is, is that when the new company took over Jurassic World they and bought all the islands it would make sense that they could move all of the animals off of Isla Sorna to this new island so that they could kind of, you know, uh, have more dinosaurs that they don't need to make uh, and also to kind of, you know, uh, figure out what they want to do with Isla Sorna going forward. The other idea is that you never, ever mention Isla Sorna again (laughs) because if, your movie is about saving the dinosaurs because there's a volcanic eruption. A really convenient place to take those dinosaurs would be to that very, you know, uh, close similar, I- conveniently uh, co- close island. <laughs> you know that they can just take these dinosaurs to, and you know they can go live with the other dinosaurs on this other island. Um, so to me, that that's not super great. But regardless of which, this this. Uh, you know, house is, you know, uh, ultimately there's a lab underneath it. And, you know, we find out that the dinosaurs aren't being moved to this beautiful, you know, animal sanctuary. They're actually being moved to this guy's house and, and ultimately sold for auction to the highest bidders. Um, very scary, very, uh, you know, uh, futuristic. And I, and I think a really good world building in some way and that this is a world in which this could happen. You know, n- nothing in that scene seems out of the normal to anyone. They are all just participating in it. And, uh, you know, they are fully aware of the existence of dinosaurs. They're aware of these, what these animals can do. And this is just another arms auction where they're dealing on the black market and nobody gives a shit. Um, so that part I thought was okay. Um, uh, yeah. So this was actually the plot of Jurassic park four, which never ever came out, but was in development for a long time and was designed to be pretty much based around what if like a corporation exploited the dinosaurs for military stuff, but also did like some weird hybrid things, which is ultimately what Jurassic World came to be. Um, so I think this is a little bit of a nod to that in some ways, uh, but uh, we, I want to get into more stuff, but I haven't given Frank any time to talk. Frank, go. No, uh, you're fine. Um, there's, yeah... I think the thing that I'm having issue with, like in, in, you know, the original, I guess there's always kind of some evil corporation, like, or evil guy at the top, you know, doing something all for money. And like, I get that, but like, it just, some of the things that happen 
and I understand we're talking about a movie that has brought dinosaurs back to life and there's like a suspension of disbelief and like that whole thing. But like just some of the, the way that the, these characters act like the, the bad guys, it just seems so like mustache twirly. And for them to always be like, Oh, I'm a nice guy and I'm good. I'm a good guy at the start. And then to become like, you know, all about the money. It's just, it's getting so cliche and I'm, it's boring me. Um, I, I like the whole bit of the, the auction stuff. I think that was unique and cool. And I think, um, appropriate for the path that they took, but I, I'm also tired. Uh, I, I feel like the, um, creating a new genetically modified dinosaur is not what this movie needed. It didn't need that. Like that's exactly what they did last time. And they spent so much of that plot and it's like, Oh, we're just going to do it again. Here's well, another one. Like the, be- uh, the beauty of that plot though, is now that they can continue to come out with new dinosaurs until the end of time. Like that's really, that's really the new death star of, of Jurassic world or Jurassic park. Right. But it, I think that's what the problem was though. Like to me, it was, it, you're a hundred percent right, but it's also going to continue. Yeah, I, I don't know, I, but and I guess that's why for me it it was a, dis- a disappointment, and I'm you know not necessarily as eager moving forward than I would hope. But um, yeah, I feel I mean, you. I, feel I, you, I, I think the the cool thing about the house though was like while it was a house, I, and I I think there was like some misdirection in the trailers, and in, in in the sense that the way I took it was like, oh, the dinosaurs are like out like actually out in, in the neighborhoods and like, and you know, they have to find them or something, but like what was actually going on was like, no, they're in this one location. And it felt a lot of, in a lot of ways, like to the original Jurassic park, like um, having these like smaller scenes, like you've got the um, kind of like the main uh, area where there, there's the, the bones in in the original movie and then you've got you know the them on display in the, in the house here and there's sort of like that uh, and that is cool because I, I think that that's one of the things that the original does so well and that there's not it's not always out in the open it's not always like in the jungle you have these moments where the dinosaurs are like creeping into these man-made facilities and i think that that like sort of horrorish element worked pretty well here um I think the dinosaurs um, definitely felt scarier. They definitely felt a little bit. The teeth seemed to be at the forefront. It seemed mm-hmm. to be a little bit gorier and a little bit louder and messier. I, I definitely felt they upped the horror factor in this one a little bit. Um, in terms of uh, the, you know, I, I don't know. I, I wish I could say at the end of this movie I was really happy because uh, I just wasn't. And here's why. Because they broke kind of the one rule of Jurassic Park, which is that the dinosaurs really can't leave the island. If they leave the island, it's really not good for humans. <laughs> you know? Yeah. like, And now that they're out there in the world like doing whatever the fuck that they want because they're dinosaurs, like, shit, like, dinosaurs don't give a fuck about cell phone coverage or, you know, where we have the fucking you know, driving ranges or parking garages or highways, they're just fucking dinosaurs. And they're, and if given time, you know, they will, they, they they could win. And I think that they kind of set it up that they're not necessarily like a a few of them seem to be going out in public. If you caught the secret, super secret post-credit scene, but at the same time, the other ones didn't seem like they were going out in public and who knows how long it takes for some of these dinosaurs to reproduce and and uh, well, prosper, so or he, have access to the other DNA. See, here's here's and I think you're you're right. I think they they broke a big rule, and there's a huge problem with it in that one, all the dinosaurs are female. They no, can't they're, reproduce. They're not. They do reproduce. That's the whole thing. They no. They that that was the thing. They in the originals, they're all females, so they were creating them, and that they weren't increasing the population. And because of that, there there's not even that many of them that get released. And so, like, yes, there could be an incident in which, like, 
you've got a couple pterodactyls attacking people, but I don't feel like the threat is all that high. I feel like in, uh, yes, uh, the government will find them and kill them and that's it. And like, yes, maybe the ones that were sold on the black market would be more of a problem than the ones that got out into the wild. I just, I don't know. It To me, it just seems like, okay, they're, they're loose now, but I don't, I don't know. It, to me, it just seems like there's not a, a lot of room of um, of where they're going to go from here. Um, I mean, I just think that this is going to be whatever Colin Trevorrow was planning for episode nine. I think we're going to find some kind of an interpolation in Jurassic World three. Um, I think he's going to go to space. I don't know what he's going to do, but he's going to he's going to do something absolutely ridiculous. Um, okay. Uh, so yeah, I don't. I think that they have to. T- they may do a time jump. I don't know what they're gonna do for the third installment. They have. A, you're right. They have a lot of heavy lifting to do. You know, I don't think that they're gonna reunite the Avengers in any way. I don't think we're gonna get uh, Doctor Grant or Doctor Sattler back, or even the kids for that matter. You know, I think that we're just gonna be dealing with Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard and some kind of military guys who are trying to stop the new dinosaurs. Um, so I just want to talk about one little thing. I think this movie is unnecessarily similar to the Lost World Jurassic Park. And I think that they had, you know, one of the big plots of Jurassic, the Lost World Jurassic Park is obviously the rescue mission of going to the island um, to rescue who he thinks is Sarah Harding. But, you know, ultimately they're just trying to get off the island again because everybody is ultimately just trying to get off the island again. That is the fundamental rule of Jurassic Park. You can't win. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and so they go back, they do a rescue mission, but it's not really a rescue mission. It's more of a uh, stealing mission and then they're taking the di- they're going to try to take the dinosaurs off site. They take the dinosaurs off site and all hell breaks loose. Ultimately, uh you know, we have to do, we have to respect these dinosaurs and respect who they are, not turn them out into the wilderness. <laughs> uh, and, you know, the, you know, they fo- the focus on the raptor again, you know, is, is very nice and picks up the, char- the character plot line of Blue, the Velociraptor, which is great. Um, but that Indoraptor was, was crap. That was some bullshit. Um, that that was wrong, well, and I, I I feel like they also missed an opportunity in the fact that they kept talking about how important it was for them to get Blue back alive because the raptor or the endoraptor was going to um, obey Blue. <laughs> yeah, like that, that. There was that whole idea that you know Blue was so obedient and did all the stuff that like. And maybe it's because it was a prototype and it was never meant to get this far. But, like, I I was waiting for that moment of, like, Blue to kind of, like, you know, fix it and be like, nope, you're not doing that. You're, you're following me or whatever. But, like, it just – it was just an unnecessary plot point and that it was just a reason for them to be up against a dinosaur because it's like, okay, well, you know – Blue and the T-Rex are kind of good characters. We're not going to have them like being uh, trying to eat the good guys. Like we need something for the good guys to go up against because then we need this evil dinosaur. <laughs> like that's really what it is. And like, I understand, um, you know, bringing back Henry Wu, I think is interesting. I think he's kind of, I want to see more of him. I think he's, more of an interesting I, he didn't die did he who henry Wu, the the doctor no i think he he escapes he always he escapes, escapes like yeah because he like the, he just like stabbed him with an exacto knife or something i don't think that like killed him um but either way i think he's more of an interesting like mad scientist character than a like another vague evil corporation leader bad guy i think it's just getting old. Um, and I, I think like getting there again, like, and I was mentioning this to you yesterday. I just feel like some of the, the way that the plot moved like in the middle of the movie, especially like with the whole thing with um, the boat, like 
I understand that they they needed to sneak around because they wanted to save Blue and that you know they had to help the other girl by you know and I thought that was really well done with like with Blue and and the T Rex because like they were able to use more practical effects and it looked really good, but I just felt like if they were brought on that island and were abandoned, like why were, why were they sneaking around? Like what, what, what was going to happen? Like, I just, Oh, that's definitely, it's definitely not an Island where they were. That was definitely like on mainland, you know, no, no, no. Well, what I mean is like they were, they were sneaking around on the boat after like escaping the Island. Whereas like, I feel like they, like, I don't know. It's just like, it surprised me that, no one like the military weren't that the military was surprised that they survived and that like you would have thought that they would have been like oh yeah sorry about that we were trying to get you know get you off it just it just rubbed me the wrong way i feel like it was you know a little bit too um obviously we knew that they, the 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 military were were bad guys at, at a certain point but like I don't know. It it just felt like they were moving the plot forward, and that even I didn't really think that they were military. These looked more like those like Blackwater, like you know, sure contractor guys, like those like mercenary dudes, and uh, that they you know those high end, you know, they call them Blackwater, you know, security consultant dudes. Like, but these are mercenaries, you know, like right. But like they don't, they don't I, I give a fuck. But do you really think that like if Chris Pratt and and uh, Claire showed up Owen and Claire sorry I keep not using their names but like if they showed up on the boat do you think that the mercenaries were actually just going to outright kill them like I just to me that Uh... is like way too fucked up and like so I guess what I'm saying is like I wanted our characters our good guys to have more balls and like go up to them and be like what the fuck you left us on the island and like this whole mission is like they just felt like they were sneaking around because they they were weak in a way you know, it it didn't serve their characters well for and the actions that they did. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, here we are at this house. Like, and now we're sneaking around the house too. Like, I don't know. For sure. For sure, man. I, I, I feel that. Um, yeah. So I dug this movie. I think that this movie, you know, it kind of closes Jurassic Park in a lot of ways. And, uh, you know, I'm very sad about that. I don't know how I'm going to feel about it after watching it again or, you know, after the third one comes out. But I think for right now, I'm a little bit sad about Jurassic Park, the way Jurassic Park being closed the way I am about Luke Skywalker being gone. And I think that, you know, it's something that I love from my childhood that, you know, ultimately, you know, the dream of going to Jurassic Park you know, unlike the movies where it kind of was able to go on in some some way, in some mm. respect, and live on kind of separately from the original story, uh, it's now it's now done. Like it like they don't mention the other dinosaurs on Isla Sorna, so we have to assume that either they're gonna die from the ash cloud or that they're gonna or that they can't serve or that they were wiped out. Who knows? Um Yeah. yeah. I think hey. I yeah. No, I was just saying, like, and and maybe this is the perfect example of, you know, we keep talking about how this is all like Last Jedi, and like, maybe the way I'm feeling is a, is the way that a lot of people felt about Last Jedi, and like, I, I think there's a lot of comparisons that can be made, but I, I do think they're different enough, and it's not like, you know, they're it's not like Luke Skywalker, the the the, the person from the original Star Wars movies, and it's like if all of a sudden. Like obviously Ian Malcolm's there, but like he's barely in it. Like come on, but so it's not like there's one character that's like all of a sudden his whole entire life and everything has changed. But it's like you're right. The park itself is the is the character that we're talking about, and the expectation of what the park is and what could be or the island and um, what it means and and, and what it means idea. to us and yeah. you know how how the the filmmakers are taking that in a different direction than that maybe we wanted it to be but ultimately i yeah i mean i i, I can see that and, and maybe i need to take a step step back and look a little bit ahead at what they may be going for instead of necessarily judging and and thinking like oh well this isn't going to be for me anymore but 
Um, I I do think I'm actually going to see it again. I know Megan really wants to see it too, so I'll probably be seeing it again in theaters maybe this weekend. Um, and so maybe there will be some things that pop out at me that I enjoy a little bit more with a second viewing. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of heartfelt moments, like the even, even the scene when they're – uh, all the dinosaurs are trapped downstairs and they have to decide whether or not to rescue them. Like, uh, so that's, that's another, a, that that, was, that's a great way to end that movie though. Let me tell you though. Yeah. Like if they committed to that ending, that is the manifestation of what, you know, of what Jurassic park is really about that. Like you can't really fuck with nature. Like if you fuck with nature, nature will fuck with you until it reaches its own balance again Mm -hmm. and like there's no more of a perfect way to show that than uh you know than killing these dinosaurs you know very sadly though yeah you know in you know before that they can get out yeah and like while i appreciate that little girl's commentary and the fact that you know she's a clone and you know i'm sure she feels very much like a product at the at that moment as well she is very different than a dinosaur. And I think that, you know, maybe they should have been, you know, somebody should have been standing over there and preventing her from pushing that button because she doesn't really understand the consequences of what's about to happen. Yeah. None of them really thought about that. Yeah. I mean, either way, it's a hard, hard call. And, um, I, but like, like we were saying before, like the, the release of the dinosaurs, like, it depends on on the way they go and what it means. Like I'm down for this to go like the Planet of the Apes route, and like all of a sudden, Northern California is like infested with dinosaurs, <laughs> and like it, oh like, for sure. Like if they want to do a time jump and show me like Terminator Salvation style, some post apocalyptic America overrun by our dinosaur overlords, like yeah, or like um, they have to quarantine off like part of of the United States because you know, the dinosaurs are over like that. That's cool. If they go that way, great. But I just don't see how it's going to get that far. I think what they're going to, my immediate thought is that if, if I was writing this movie, my thought would be, you know, what's the most, you know, what's the easiest way to create the most damage. And that's just to have these dinosaurs go right at people in their living rooms. And I think that that's what they were setting up. And I think that, if they're doing that, then it can be very, very gruesome and it can be very scary, but it's not going to be Jurassic Park. That is a new thing. Yeah. Which is why it's called Jurassic World. Uh, <laughs> those bastards knew what they were doing. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, um, we've talked enough. We've talked it's, enough. We, You know, it's been great. Folks, we love you guys. You know, we, uh, we appreciate it you know your love and support please uh you know you can reach out to us we'd love to hear from you um you know we're around uh we'll be you know continuing on i think we want to definitely cover uh mission impossible 6 um we were discussing potentially doing the teen titans go movie uh ant-man and the wasp ant-man and the wasp is absolutely going to be dropping soon uh, so just keep us in the loop and check out and listen for all the new episodes. Um, and, uh, Frank, anything you'd like to wrap up on? No, um, I, we, uh, we've got some other great stuff this summer. Um, you know, I think if you guys have been listening since last summer, obviously we were covering game of Thrones last year. So we had some, um, major topic that we were really invested in that drove us through. Um, so if there's anything that you guys are really interested in us covering, I mean, I, I think we may do a, um, a post comic con, um, episode and see what kind of news comes out of that. Um, but, uh, you know, without game of Thrones, I don't know if there's going to be that same like driving force through the summer, but we're going to try to come up with some other fun topics. You know, AJ and R are still, uh, doing our season tickets with the Yankees. So we're going to be very, very much involved in what happens with them. Um, <laughs> there's potential for, for some Dave Matthews concerts and post chats on, on our feelings on that after, you know, the new album and all the fallout from that. Um, but um, 
you know, the, the biggest thing of, of the end of the summer is AJ's wedding. So, oh, shit. <laughs> so that's what we're really gearing up towards. But, oh, um, anyway, yes, um, I can't, I can't wait. I'm very, yeah. ex- I'm very excited. I'm very excited. It's good. I met be- with the, I met with the rabbi today. Um, I met with uh, the, we did a, the, the tasting at the restaurant. We picked the ketubah. We're rocking and rolling on this thing, man. Awesome. Well, um, as always, uh, you can email us at info at longlostheroes.net, just like Max did earlier, and we read out his email. So we want to hear your thoughts on Jurassic World. And and we'll try to make sure it's earlier than six months later. We we will check that email. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If not, you know, if you feel like the social media accounts are more reliable, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at LLH Podcast. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, leave us a rating and a review. That'd be great. Um, and as always, I'm Frank here with my good, good friend, AJ. Hey, thank you for coming by guys. And we will catch you next time.